Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Amanda Dyson, the Global Head of Demand Generation and ABM at E2Open, chats with us about how diversity across all audiences and geographies is vital for a company brand. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. And you might notice my voice is back. The last episode, I did not sound great. I sound like I smoked for 39 years, but I did not. I've actually never, ever smoked a cigarette. That is a fact about me. So my voice is back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you missed it. Probably not. You don't care. You're here for AJ anyway and the guests. You don't care about me. Anyway, it's great to be back. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Strista just for like 15 seconds. Not even an elevator pitch, but we just talk about Strista. We don't have any other advertisers on our site. We do, we do that for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Strista, we are a marketing technology company. We own our own business to business data, our own business consumer data. We help companies access that data through our technology, our email platform, our DSP, which is display, focuses on ABM. It also has connected TV, OTT. Email me, vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am. I just gave you my email address. And boy, as I always say, do you use it? Not always for the purpose that I wanted, but at least you're listening and you're emailing me. You know, half the time you sell me your services. Sure, that's okay. But marketing works apparently because I'm telling you my email address and you use it. Anyway. The other thing I'm confident in, and I will see this gentleman a few times coming up, I will see him when this episode comes out. Maybe we do an episode how, on how much fun we had when we saw each other. We usually do. I, I, don't, I couldn't think of a time, AJ, when we did not have fun and also get some great work done. But I'm, of course, referring to my CEO, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. You know, some people do care about you. Maybe not the Germans, but I think uh, <laughs> elsewhere your popularity is still there. Now, what AJ is referring to is not Germany, the country that doesn't like me. You know, one day, and you've heard me tell this story, just so our guest knows what we're referring to, because she's probably gonna be like, wait, what? A whole country doesn't like you, Vincent? No, that would be absurd. But one day, these group of people from Germany they actually said that H.A. was funnier than me. And boy, from those of you who know what I do at night here in New York City, boy, did that hurt. But you know who it didn't, who it didn't hurt? A.J. He's loved telling people that for four years. And another four, he will. No, no, I think this is the last time I'll bring it up. So I think you're in the clear. I don't believe you. Our producers listening do not believe you. Our listeners who are listening don't believe you. 
But hey, you know, since the last podcast we recorded, I uh, got on this cleaning kick, so my uh, office here for the first time looks almost uh, spotless. I have a few other things uh, to clear out, but I was pretty proud of myself. You want to know what's so strange, strangely odd about that is I too, look, I have my Lysol wipes. I don't know if the camera can see them. Uh, this po- I, I was doing the same thing. I was cleaning. Well, uh, I, I got my Clorox wipes. See? Look at this. You know, who says we don't take advertising? I'm kidding. Neither of them are sponsors or giving us any money or giving us any money yeah, for this podcast. I like it. Yeah, I know. Lysol and Clorox. And I was like, yeah, we wouldn't be that smart because we put two competitive companies in the same podcast. That's not great. It's like, this is sponsored by Coke and Pepsi. It's like, that would never exist. But yeah, we. We had, uh, yeah, I was cleaning just to make sure, you know, because, uh, you know, also I, Starista is growing and I think there's going to be some people coming in and out of my office from here and there, uh, you know, some of our new teammates. So maybe that's why, maybe, maybe that's the same reason you did, or you just went on a kick of cleaning. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, other people would come in and try to organize the papers while they were sitting in my office. So I thought it was time that I did it myself. Yeah. Well, good, good. We're proud of you. We're proud of you. And like we said, we're going to see you. And you're going to hear a lot of episodes uh, probably titled The Summer of Gupta because he'll be here in New York City for a couple weeks, maybe. So we'll have a lot of things to talk about. But AJ, let's get to our amazing guest. Again, the real reason why people listen to the podcast, our guest. We have a great guest today. This is a guest where this is how badly we wanted her on the program. We first started talking to her when she was at another company doing great things there. And then she's moved on. She's rocking and rolling at another company. We said, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't about the company, Amanda. It was about you. We want you on the podcast. It always starts that way. Ladies and gentlemen, we wanted her no matter where she was going. So we're very happy to have her on. And I love what she's doing. Take a look. Listen to this title. She is the global head of demand generation and ABM at E2 Open, Amanda Dyson. What's going on, Amanda? Hey, hey, Vincent. Hey, AJ. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long time been chatting for quite a while. And I'm super excited to finally be here with you guys today. So thanks for having me on. I don't have any disinfectant wipes on me, but I did to clean my office for this. Nice, nice. Well, if you did use a disinfectant wipe, would you use Lysol or Clorox? The world wants to know. No, I'm kidding. They don't want to know that, but I want to know. I'm curious. No, I probably would use neither one. Maybe find something sustainable, biodegradable. Um, <laughs> ah, against the grain. I love it, AJ. Yeah. She's like, oh, you know, I don't dare yeah, you those corporations. asking the question now. I sure do. I sure do. She's like, uh, you mean the stuff that's made out of, I would use just water. Yeah, just and, water. And water, <laughs> I know. That's it. Just leaves from outside and clean, you know. In my tiny home, right? My, yeah. my tiny sustainable home that's powered by solar. Uh, that's awesome. No, Amanda, yeah, we have been talking uh, for a while. We wanted to have you on. You were doing some great work in your old company, uh, Blue Yonder there, but now you're at E2 Open. Let's talk about, first of all, we'll get to E2 Open. This title, I love it. it it's like, I love the titles now where they're like, oh, this is what you're amazing at. And we're just going to put it you know, in your title and you're going to have a focus because a lot of companies are getting razor focused in their marketing. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your title. Tell us about E2 Open. I'd love to learn yeah. more. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so, I mean, I think you're absolutely right about, about the title, right? So it's meant to be very specific. There's no more sort of just, you're a vice president of marketing. Well, what exactly does that mean? Um, there's so many different areas of marketing, but I've really specialized in demand gen over the years. I've done a couple of, of other things um, with our partner community. Um, ABM is just now such a critical component of demand generation that I said, let's put that directly in, in the title, right? Let's make sure that our marketing managers that are running account-based marketing campaigns are called account-based marketers. Um, based marketing means a lot of different things to different people as well. So it was really important just to get that out there in terms of what that actually means and, and what that actually looks like. So, um, it, and it's global in nature, to your point, um, E2Open is a, a large global nation. So I've got people all over the world, um, which is really customers all over the world. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the gist of, of the title. I love it. And then E2Open, tell us about what you're doing there. What, what, what's the, the organization? <laughs> Who are they helping? Yeah. So E2Open is um, the largest connected supply chain company. So we've got customers all across logistics and manufacturing um, types of accounts, food and beverage, consumer goods, um, any, anything that is the, you know, the movement and the flow of, of goods and supply chain and um, manufacturing. We, our tagline is, is moving as one, which I just like for so many reasons, you know, that I think supply chain became this really hot topic coming out of COVID, right? When suddenly there were all of these shortages and people really started to understand, you know, what it takes to get things from point A to, to point B and costs of, of goods rising and having visibility into your supply chain to be able to forecast and respond to big changes happening in the world. Um, so I've spent majority of my career in supply chain. The prior company, um, you mentioned Blue Yonder that I worked for, um, is a, a large supply chain company too. So uh, this opportunity came my way. It felt very um, natural and exciting and sort of, you know, it felt like home, right? Like it's a, it's a different organization, but there's a lot of similar people um, that I work with a lot of, of friends I have from other supply chain companies have worked uh, at E2Open as well, just enjoying the, the culture and the leadership and the opportunity that we have every day to make a difference. Yeah, no, I'm sure they're excited as well. Amanda, talk to us about how you got into marketing. How'd you get started in marketing? It is one of our staple questions. We have yeah. a few of those and it's, it's never the same answer. So we'd love to hear oh, your sure. story. Yeah, I'm sure it's never the same. So um, I didn't know I wanted to be in marketing. I don't know that, you know, little kids want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. I don't know that they're ever like, I'm going to be a marketer. Um, for me, it kind of came about in college. You know, I had a number of retail jobs and knew that upon graduation, you know, that certainly wasn't where I, where I wanted to be. So I I took a chance um, with a ERP company in Santa Barbara, California, where I went to college. Um, I had a professional writing minor and I took an internship in their technical writing department, uh, which was not for me at the end of the day. 
but I did find there were a lot of things that I liked. I liked the software company. Um, I liked, you know, the, the business idea and the value that they had, the proposition they had for their customers. So I just started searching around and thinking, what might I like to do in this company if I don't like the department that I'm in? And I actually kind of created a role for myself within their marketing team. You know, I, I spoke with a lot of people on the team, let them know what I was interested in. And that turned into a full-time job. I started as a copywriter, um, worked my way up through the communications division, moved to Arizona um, in 2007 and um, went back to school to get my MBA was shortly thereafter recruited by then JDA, which is the, is what we know now as Blue Yonder. So I spent most of my career doing demand gen at Blue Yonder, um, fell in love with marketing, the, the data side of marketing, but also the creative side of marketing, um, you know, just getting to do really cool things for our customers. Honestly, I feel like marketing, you know, we're, we're the fun department um, in a lot of organizations, right? So we get to have a lot of fun, work really hard and um, yeah, that's sort of how I, how I got my start. I'll always be thankful for that, that technical writing department. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Every story is unique. So that's great to hear. Amanda, so we, since this is a marketing focused uh, podcast, we'd like to get uh, a little bit more detailed. So what are some of the strategies and channels that you're using for demand generation? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm glad you asked. I think Getting back to kind of the title and the structure of the team, we have a demand gen arm. Um, we run a lot of email marketing um, events. We have, you know, content syndication programs where you're just trying to get your, your brand and your advertising out there. We actually have a really strong brand department so, and, a, and a beautiful brand. The company underwent um, a brand relaunch last year, and it's just a very streamlined, approachable, um, you know, look and feel that the, the team um, takes very good care of. So, you know, they're running those types of campaigns into the, the industries that I mentioned before for, you know, some of our biggest solutions across global trade. And, um, and then the ABM arm is something that the company has been, you know, running for some time, but, but a big initiative and, and why I was brought on to, to run the team is to infuse really that ABM mentality and strategy across the organization. So with the ABM team, we're running more um, account specific, you know, in, in a um, marketing universe of one, where you're running a campaign to one account, um, or maybe it's a small batch of accounts. Um, working really closely with sales, which is another part of, of marketing that, that I love and I think is vital, is having a strong connection and alignment with your sales teams. Um, so that's something that we're kind of undergoing now, you know, we just are kind of kicking it off and, and early on, but it'd be exciting to come back, you know, in this podcast in a year and talk about the amazing results of that we are achieving with ABM, because I, I believe really firmly in the strategy. Awesome. And then I know you're fairly new at your role, but what are some of the challenges that you've identified in your role and how do you overcome them? So, you know, while the role is new, the challenges um, are not. I think that um, budget and resources is always a challenge in, in marketing and especially in kind of this, this B2B world that I've grown up in. 
Um, there's never enough money. There's never enough people, you know, and headcount. And so you're constantly having to prioritize um, and really look at at trade-offs of doing or not doing um, a particular campaign or funding a particular, you know, channel or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that any sales, any, um, you know, product marketer, anybody that owns a specific, you know, P&L, their priorities are always priority number one, right? So all of those demands are consistently coming to the marketing team. And it's us up to us to be really smart about how we strategically then go to market. So, you know, that's something I, I believe in. Um, everybody is in sales. I think no matter your role in an organization, at the end of the day, you have to be selling your product. So we always like to say everybody is in sales. Um, but with that, trying to be very marketing led. And by that, I mean, using our marketing tech stack to be really smart and savvy about where we are placing those dollars. Um, I believe really firmly in having a strong marketing tech. And it's, it's a criteria I look at when, you know, looking at new careers and new companies, um, being able to give those insights to sales. They're all very busy. They all have a very important job. So how can we not just enable their campaigns and you know deliver pretty pictures and fun events, but really use data to help drive their account planning and their their decision making and and where we're going to market together with our sales teams. Amanda, I, I want to also talk about you know a few things. You're you're part of some great organizations. Uh, my wife is also a member of this organization, Chief. So uh, I, I'd like to bring that up because I think there's been some other members uh, of Chief that have been on the podcast, but we really didn't talk about it. I want to talk about Chief, that organization, and you know, if you could tell people a little bit about it and what it means to you and kind of how it set, sets itself apart from other organizations. So I'd love to talk about Chief, so I'm really glad that you brought it up. Um, so, and if you've had, you know, any business leader women, and I know you have on the show because I've seen some of the of the podcasts, um, highly likely that they were probably engaged in Chief in, in some way. So Chief's a private um, membership, and it's really geared towards women leaders across business sectors. Um, they are founded out of New York, but it's it's a global organization at this point. They have, you know, some flagship offices, but we actually have a, a local cohort here in Charlotte. We have our Charlotte Chiefs and we try to get together um, at least virtually, if not virtually and in person once a month. Um, and that's just become such a very cool and strong network, frankly, especially when I was in transition. The funniest thing about me joining Chief, I made a strategic decision for myself in December of last year that, you know, this year I, I wanted to, to do more, to invest in, in me. I'd been in my current, you know, company, not necessarily current role, but company for almost 15 years and just wanted to do something more. And so I made the decision to join Chief um, and was then let go from my company. They went went a massive reorg and um, my position along with the position of numerous others in my department were affected. And when I look back, I think at all of these doors that had been opened for me, partially by joining Chief, that leaving that company gave me the opportunity to walk through. And that's just been so exciting. So I think, you know, the bottom line about Chief, the women and the brain power in that organization is tremendous. Um, 
and just making that investment in yourself. I think I'm, you know, advocate for anybody listening to this, that's, that's contemplating. It doesn't have to be chief, but, you know, continuous learning and just ways to be bettering yourself, I think is, is huge, not just for your, you know, career type of professional growth, but personal growth. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, my wife really enjoys going, we're here in New York city. So that flagship New York city office is amazing from what she tells me she's already, you know, just been to events there and, and panels and, and really enjoys it and has met some amazing women who are doing great things. So I'm, I'm glad we're, we're talking about it as well. Let's get back to marketing, Amanda, because we want to talk to, you know, specifically because, you know, of your skill set. How, how do you approach creating like brand identity and building brand awareness? Because it's so important for companies because, you know, there's, all, there's companies out there that tend to have the market share and that people know and are almost household names. But you know, talk to us about your approach to it. Yeah, I think that, you know, your brand is so, so important. And like I mentioned, the, the relaunch that our company went through last year, um, specific to E2Open, they've grown through a number of acquisitions, right? So there are brands in our umbrella um, that may be familiar, you know, frankly, to, to people. And they may be, companies may be running E2Open and not even really know it and may refer to it as an old product or, or company name. So I think having, you know, consistency in voice, consistency in overall look and feel, um, I mentioned our brand team, but just being an advocate for the brand, you know, getting your entire organization, they're your soldiers, they're your brand ambassadors and having a strong kind of brand toolkit to give people assets and tools so they don't stray from the brand. Um, I, your employees just now being in such a digital world is there's such a big piece of putting out the brand story and the brand voice and, you know, everything you can create on social and all the chatter and all of that you can create. Our channels are not what they once were. You know, you don't have to run these large website banner ads on third-party publication or, you know, you can be putting out your own digital media and um, knowing your audience too is, is the other piece. So really, again, keeping all things budget and resources in mind you have to be smart about where you're placing those, you know, digital advertisements and, and what action and activity you're trying to encourage with, with those. Is it engagement? Is it, you know, lead gen? It's very hard at that level, but I think those are really important things about the brand. And, and frankly, once you have that household name, you have to keep your promises to your customers because then it's a lot of responsibility as well, right? Now people know you, now you can't hide. So it's really important that you, you're keeping your word to your customers and, you know, it kind of really comes full circle. Amanda, what are your thoughts on the importance of diversity and inclusion in the field of marketing? And how do you ensure that your marketing efforts are inclusive when it comes to your brand and outward marketing? Yeah, um, thanks, AJ. I love that question. So I think if I approach it from kind of the outward, you know, brand, first of all, um, it's it's mission critical that your brand and your storytelling is inclusive of all audiences, um, all geographies, different types of, of people, um, different ways of working, you know, ways of living. I think all of that is is vitally important. 
Um, and it would be a big miss for you know any brand of, of our size to, to not be inclusive in that way. I think that um, from an internal perspective, um, you know, oftentimes inclusion diversity is is focused on, you know, having more women um, sort of empowerment or a seat at the table or, you know, um, opportunities presented to them. But I marketing tends to be, you know, pretty female heavy. And so, you know, we're often, saying, you know, how do we get more, how do we make this more attractive for more males to want to join this or that team or, you know, take part in these marketing um, initiatives and, and, and recruit in, in that way. So I'm often looking at diversity also just in ideas, in, in our values and things that are important to us, in things that bring us joy and, and success and feelings of, um, you know, pride in our work. I think that there's a lot of, of differences in, in what's important to all of us now. Being in virtual teams, I think, kind of can make that even bigger, right? You, you don't necessarily get to be in person with people and, and learning about their families and understanding what's, what's important to them because we're all kind of behind computer screens. So I try to ask those questions, ascertain that for my teams, because I think that that is, is just as important to, to make sure you're aware of. Amanda, we have a staple question we like to ask all of our guests and has to do with LinkedIn. So I'm sure with your title and experience, you get a lot of unsolicited messages on LinkedIn. So we'd love to know what's one that gets you to respond and more importantly, what's one that you really dislike? Huh. Well, that's a good question. Um, if I'm being honest, I, I respond to quite a few LinkedIn messages. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know why. Um, I can be, I can be, you know, somewhat, you know, quick and to the point. Um, but I do reply. I think that the ones that I like most, um, anything kind of local. I, again, just because maybe we're all we're also virtual. If a, if a group reaches out to me, I'm supposed to go to a, a networking lunch on Friday, actually, um, for a group of SaaS, you know, professionals in the area. And, and they reached out and they, they can't necessarily progress my career or, you know, anything like that. But I thought, you know, making that in real life and personal connection is something that I value. Um, I will always respond if someone reaches out to me that perhaps has worked with me in a past life and is now kind of asking for advice. I take that as a, a huge compliment and I will help them get help with their resume or make a connection um, you know, or, or whatever they kind of need. The the worst reach out unsolicited on LinkedIn would honestly probably just be the ones that they clearly don't know you. They don't know your industry. They're they're referencing old or bad data. Those ones I probably wouldn't reply because you know they just have have built a little database and they're just kind of mass sending things out and and you know it's not it's not personalized. So those ones I might not reply to. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say you are our first guest, Amanda. To say I normally respond to all of them. I was like, I knew you were unique, and I knew you were really <laughs> nice. But that's, uh, yeah, that's a first. So we we appreciate that. Tell us about where where you know this is where we get to know you personally. Tell us about yourself. You 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 mentioned a few times that you lived in different areas. Now you're in the Charlotte area, as you mentioned. You know your local division. Uh, uh, you know you know Chief Charlotte. Charlotte is there, Char Charlotte Chiefs, as you said. 
what brought you there? What do you like to do for fun? What's your weekend looks like? What does your typical weekend look like? Oh, I love, I love that question. Um, cause that's the fun stuff, right? That's like the meaningful stuff. So, um, in a, in a one minute synopsis, um, I met my husband in Arizona in 2008. We lived there about eight years, but he is from this area. So 2015, we decided to make the move here. Um, and frankly, just love it. I, I lived in California my whole life, moved to Arizona. It was the best thing I ever did. I met my husband. So I said, why not? Let's give it a shot and let's try, you know, to move again. I've, I've worked remote pretty much my entire career pre way pre COVID. So, you know, it was, it was an easy thing to do. Um, fast forward 2018, I had my daughter who will be five this year. Very excited about her fifth birthday, uh, princess tea party that we'll be having. Yep. Um, and my son just turned two. So what do I do on the weekends? That probably answers <laughs> that question. Yep. But what do I do for fun? I'm really big into kind of health and wellness and well-being. And I don't just mean, you know, working out. I, I love to run, but I'm also big into reading and stress management and eating well and sleeping as much as I possibly can. Um, so those are things that are, you know, I kind of, I, I love to talk about and I love to share. Um, there is an organization called Thrive, um, Ariana Huffington, you guys might be familiar. Yeah. They're very active on LinkedIn, but they're always posting these like, you know, five tips to whatever, de-stress on a Friday or something like that. Stress in the workplace is so prevalent and it's so easy to get bogged down and overworked and you know Americans in general are overworked and we can take a step back we can breathe you know exhale um know that the work will be there if you get up and take a walk around the block I guarantee your work will still be there when you get back and you know you might have a clearer head to tackle it so those are that I'm I'm pretty into uh that's awesome yeah I have a six and three-year-old so I know exactly what you're doing on the weekends is you're doing what I'm doing and you're uh, yeah. running around and you're going crazy, you know, that is, and, and it's also, those are great things to do. I mean, and now it answers why you're in Charlotte. Charlotte's great. It's a great area. My wife's grandmother lived there for many years and you got there in 2015, which is like ahead of all these New Yorkers and these uh, Northeasterners moving down there and driving those crazy prices up. So that's awesome. And that's also a great closing thought that you brought, you mentioned that stress and stress relief it is tough in general for people to do that, but you add on kids and you add on uh, you know, a pandemic and work. It's uh, it's very much needed. I try to, you know, de-stress as, as much as I can. That's amazing, Amanda. We appreciate your time with us. I'm so happy we got to reconnect and talk. That's Amanda Dyson, ladies and gentlemen, the global head, demand generation and ABM at E2Open. Check her out. Uh, reach out to her on LinkedIn. She might accept your request or at least get back to you, but don't hassle her, please. She's, uh, she's awesome. That's Amanda. I'm Vincent. That's AJ. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.